0: God is doing in this place. So today we're going to be talking about, I think, one of the perhaps the coolest subjects that you can ever talk about or really know about. And that is this, how do I know it's God? How do I know it's God? And this is our You Asked For It theme. We, we polled our crowd for four weeks just after, when was it? In September, October, we polled you and we asked, what are the things pressing? What are the questions that you have? And again, some people get upset with that. They're hung up on that. I don't believe people should tell you what to preach. You know, that's how Jesus did most of his ministry. He answered the questions of the people and gave the parables and gave the stories. He taught relevant to their needs. And we want to be relevant to your need. We believe that. We pick subjects each and every month that is relevant to where you're at. But this is just so great because the questions each week we can address a different specific question. And I'm not surprised that this is on The list again, we actually preached on this last year. You can look at it on our website. It's archived on our podcast. You can pull it up and listen to our message from last year again. And in fact, the top eight are no surprise to me. I think if I would have gone through the list and picked the top eight, the list would have looked exactly the same as what you have asked for. Why is that? Here's why. Are you ready? Circumstances change. But our needs remain the same. The environment we're in can change, but we are the common denominator in every situation. And the needs that we have and the questions that we have, no matter where we find ourselves, those questions are the same. So how do I know It's God. Have you ever asked that? Maybe you're living there right now. God, I I just don't know. I'm not feeling this. Was it the pizza I ate last night? Is it what's going on? Is that you? What's this dream? What do you have? God, I'm kind of confused right now. God, I want clarity and I want to know whether it's you or not. And here's how we're going to tackle this subject this year. Are you ready? We're going to call it. How do I hear God's voice? How can I hear God's voice? How do I know it's you, God? How can I hear your voice? Because God is still speaking today. God is still speaking loud and clear. In fact, God has never stopped. He's a speaking God. I love this quote from Dallas Willard. Listen to this quote. It's on the screen too. Look at it. It says, if God doesn't speak today, then the greatest disservice we can do is tell others that they can have a personal Relationship with God. What is a personal relationship? Interaction, conversation, speaking, talking, communion. So if God is not speaking today, the greatest disservice that we can give to people is to say to them, You can have a personal relationship with God. But I'm so glad today we can have a personal relationship because He is speaking. If we would just listen and there are the problem. Look how the Bible begins, Genesis 1 verse 3. It says, then God, help me eh? out. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. What's one of the first things we see of God? See in God is his spoken voice. He spoke and creation came. The world began with him speaking and it hasn't finished. In fact, last year we talked about this. Here's what we said last year. The Bible is full of examples of God speaking and people like you and I asking, but God, is that really you? God is speaking. This is the trend that we see throughout the entirety of God's Word. And so it starts that way, but I love how it ends. Look how it ends at the end of the book in Revelations 22 and verse 18. It says, for I testify to everyone who hears. What is God saying? I'm speaking something. I am saying something to everyone that will hear the words of prophecy of this book. What do we see God starts it all with words and He ends it all still speaking. And at the end of Revelation, he didn't stop. God is still speaking today into each and every one of our lives. Turn to John chapter 10. Here's the analogy of the shepherd and the sheep. Jesus is the shepherd. He's the voice of instruction over his sheep. Listen to what it says in John chapter 10, verse 2 through 5. John 10, 2 through 5 says these words, But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and they come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. Thank God for that. So we can follow him. Why? Because we know his voice. For we hear his voice, but, verse 5 says, they will not follow a stranger. They will run from him. Why? Because they don't know his voice. What do we see there? God desires to lead us, not with his hand. Not with a nudge and a push. God says, I want to lead you by my voice. By my spoken word. And God says the voice you know the greatest in your life is the voice that you're going to follow the most in your life. So God is saying you better know my voice. So what is he saying in that? We can know his voice. Do you catch that? We can know his voice. It's not something hidden and foreign. Oh, I don't know. God says you can know. Because this is the way God wants and desires to lead your life life so what's the key it's the voice you know close your eyes right now close your eyes everyone in this house i want you to close your eyes i've instructed someone right now to speak to you all and i want to know by the showing of hands keep your eyes closed i want to know by the showing of hands who knows this voice are you ready listen to this voice
1: hearing god's voice at
0: times can be tough especially when you don't recognize who's talking anyone know that voice come on put your hand up if you know that voice if you've gone to Crossroads on a Friday night, you'll probably know that voice. Can we reveal who that voice is? Can you come out of the door to my left? Here we go. Here it is, Mr. Renee. Come on, let's give it up for Renee. All right, let's try it again. Are you ready? Everyone close your eyes. Put your hand up if you know this voice. Are you ready? Close your eyes. You Ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, That whosoever believeth in him. Come on, put your hands up if you know that voice. Come on, open your eyes. Whose is that? That's a no brainer, isn't it? Whose voice is that? It's mine. Why do you know that voice? Because you hear this voice so often in your lives. You hear it through your life. You hear it in your life each and every day. Day, God desires. That's our goal. Our goal is today is not for you to be, man, I kind of think I know that voice. That kind of sounds familiar. Is that maybe? We want you to, ooh, 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 me, 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 me. I know that voice. I know that voice. That's God. That's God. Because God needs you to hear his voice. Now, what do we know about God's voice? God doesn't often speak in an audible voice. Maybe you've heard God say, hello. I haven't really heard that. But I can tell you that God has spoken to me because God speaks to me through his word. If I can't hear his voice, I can read his voice. And God many times has given me what I need through his word. What about this one? Through prayer. God speaks to me when we pray. I've changed something in my prayer life lately because you know what my prayer life consisted of? I would walk my neighborhood every day for 30, 35 minutes and pray and I wouldn't give God a chance to speak. I would talk, 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 talk. But you know what I've done? I've set straights on my road and areas where I'm not going to talk. I'm going to let God do the talking on this strip. I'm going to let God talk here. I've created space so he can talk back to me because I wonder how much space we give him in prayer. So, so he speaks through prayer. Here's another one that God speaks to me a lot through nature. Have you ever seen things and God has just spoken to you like you see like a, a bloom come forward? I remember once I was having a rough day and I was at the dentist. How many knows a rough day in the dentist is a double negative right now? It's, it's not nice. You, you don't want to be at the dentist on any day, but a rough day, it's tough. And, and I'm waiting for someone to pick me up and, and, and they're late. So I'm at the fence and, and I'm standing by this fence and there was this ivy and there's bushes all along the fence. And it was just kind of dead and nasty. And I went over to it and just touched the flower that was all dead. And when I touched it, the leaves fell down. And there was just this beautiful, beautiful, bright blue flower that was in the midst of death. And God spoke to me right now and said, you know what? What may appear to be death all around you right now, there's a ray of hope. I needed that in the situation I was going through in my time. Because the reason I was having a rough day wasn't because I was at the dentist. I was facing some big decisions in my life. And God spoke to me so clearly through that. God can speak to you through other people. The devil can speak to you through other people too. So you've got to watch the people and the counsel that is around you in your life. But God speaks. God speaks. God wants to speak to your life. So we're going to break down this message into three key areas today. The first area is this. We're going to turn down the distractions. Maybe for some of us, we need to eliminate distractions. We're going to identify what they are. The second key area we're going to talk about is we're going to tune in to God. Turn down, tune in. And then the third key area is we've got some tests that we can run. God, is that you? Aren't you glad that we can have some tests that God is going to back himself up according to his word? So we're going to have some tests that's going to help you. So point number one, are you ready? Let's turn down the distractions. So how can we do that? I'm glad you asked. Because I'm going to tell you today, what is distracting what you from hearing God's voice? I'm going to give you three, many more things, but I'm going to give you three things that I believe are the main distractions that we're facing in our life today. You ready? Point A, busyness, busyness, perhaps the greatest distraction of our lives is the pace that we live, how busy we are, stressed, the post, given or. Massive destruction and distraction for our life. Keeping us so busy. And what usually suffers in our busyness is our relationship with God. When we're busy, our relationship with God is not at its best. Because everything else takes the space and the place of what we have or should have reserved and set aside for God. So God usually experiences the fallout from our busyness. Remember last week we talked about having proper order in our life. God has to be first, then our spouse, and then our children. Then it goes on from there. And that's vital. Well, God understand is what we say. I've heard that so many times. Well, God understands I've got to provide for my family. God understands that I've got to do this. God understands. God does understand. But God also understands something else, and that is this. If he's not in his rightful place, everything else that follows is going to be out of whack. So we've got to watch. Look at this. We take on more than we can handle. We take on so much more than we have the time to handle in our lives. We've got to learn to exercise the be able to say no to our children when it comes to activities. Kelly and I know if you don't watch, you can have five kids in 12 sports at one time. Amen. Come on now. You, you can have people stretched everywhere. And you want <laughs> to you- <laughs> benefit too and say there's no way that we can keep this pace and we can do all of this right. Really want to do where is the life where's your future? What do you think we could have learned as parents to address that and realize we can do it all? Look at this story from Luke ten and verse 38 It says now what happened as he entered a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words verse 40 but Martha was distracted with much service serving stop notice what we've just read Jesus has gone to Martha's house sister Mary is there who what who also sat at the feet of Jesus what does that mean well here's what it means to me that Martha one that's been mentioned in this story. So it implies that Martha was also at his. However, she had become distracted with much serving so didn't have time to stay there and missed out on the blessings of God. Listen to this other translation that says Mary seated herself and continued to listen. I wonder how many times we remove ourselves because of the busyness of life from the feet of Jesus, the place of peace, the place of direction. Now, Don't get me wrong, what Martha was doing wasn't wrong. She was preparing a meal she wanted to feed. But I think sometimes we can get busy doing things that are not really productive for our lives. It's causing us to do something, but we're not getting anywhere with it. We've got to look at our lives and ask ourselves, what's taking us in the right direction and what's pulling us this way and that? Because you cannot keep living pulled this way and that and be the success that God wants you to be. Come on, all those things don't fit your life. People quote the scripture. Well, hold on. Philippians 4 verse 13. God says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That sure does mean that you're able to do all things, but God doesn't call you to do all things. God didn't say thou shalt do all the things and I'm going to give you the strength. God is meaning there that anything that God has called you to do, God will give you the strength and the ability to do it. But the things outside of what he's called you to do, you have no business being there. They're going to wear you out. You've got to slow down. Turn to your neighbour and say, slow down. Come on, some of you turn to him and say, slow down. No, slow down. We're in a hurry. Let's get this over and done with. This is awkward. I don't want to talk to them. Quiet our lives... I wonder who would testify and agree with me today that we miss so much through the busyness of our lives. We miss so much Time that can never be replaced. Time that can never be brought back. Psalms 46 verse 10, I think, gives us an incredible challenge. Because it is a challenge. Let me say that again. It's a challenge. It's a challenge to be still more than what it is to be busy. Because busyness follows into our routine of life. But it's a challenge to stop ourselves and hold on and say, hold on, stop, be still, be still, be still. When's the last time that you were totally still before God? Most of the time it's fit in here, there and everywhere. And we've got noise coming from everywhere. What does the Bible say? We've got to be still so that we can. The message Bible says, I love it. It says, step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at me. Do you feel like you're dying? can just engage in a loving relationship with me. You've got to, look to, you've got to be intentional with that because they don't just happen. you got to create those moments in your life. I talk with so many people and, and when I haven't seen them in church, you know, I'm like, man, where have you been? I, I miss you. I went by someone just this week and said, man, where have you been? I haven't seen you. Where, what's going on? Well, pastor, there's so much to do. And they took me into their business and they're showing me all this stuff and everything they've got to do. And I'm just nodding. I'm just nodding. I'm just nodding. And then I asked him the question, is this all worth not being in the house of God? Is it all worth it? Well, no, pastor, because I'm, I'm struggling right now. Well, I wonder why you're struggling. You see, if we don't create that stillness, in, that's what's something so good about church. That's a that's an automatic stillness that you can have. Your kids are in the nursery. Your, your your kids are in kids club, being taken care of. You've got every opportunity now to be blessed. And and here's what you can also do: you can also bless other people to have stillness by volunteering and saying, "Listen, I want to serve. I want to be a part." Why? Because there's a stillness. As a parent, you can just embrace it and you can enjoy it. Some people just come to church. Let's be real a free nursery. Don't blame you. That's okay. If that's what you want to do, that's good. God's going to touch you though. God's going to get you. Don't be looking at me crazy. You know you've done that, man. I'm just going to go to church. I need to get a break from my kids. People have said to me, I'm so busy. Can I just share with you, God, his time. He will always multiply back to you, your time. In other words, it's the principle of tithing. You give God first with your finances, he blesses us back. I don't know how he does that, but it's the same way with our time. My parents used to tell me this all the time because as a young man, I used to say, well, Mum, I've got a test tomorrow. I can't go to church tonight. She said, son, you're going to church tonight because your time management is the problem, not God. Because you knew a test is coming up tomorrow, so you could have been studying, but you chose to watch the TV, go out and play. So my parents preached that and taught that to me, but they also taught me this. You give God his time, God's going to bless you with your tests. God's going to bless you with that assignment that you've got. God's going to bless you with your business. God's going to bless you building up your home that's been destroyed with a flood. You give God his time, he'll bless the time that you have. And I've seen that in my life. I've seen Spend time and come and be still and give to God. And it seems like I've worked five hours extra than what I had on hand because God took the few hours that I had and was able to multiply. Don't look at me crazy. God can do that. I said God can do that and he does do that. So even being with the flood and just all the stuff, here's my warning: I've been talking to other pastors and this is just the trend that they've been seeing too. Everyone needs a break. You can get so... All with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, "I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it, and I ask you to have me excused." And another said, "I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask that you will have me excused." Another said, "I have married a wife." About the marriage celebration that we're going to have, and how many people are going to miss that because of the excuses and the other noise that has taken them from where they really need to be. Look at this statement. The voices that scream the loudest are not the ones that are taking you to God. The voices that are screaming the loudest in your ears all around you each and every day, they're not the ones that are taking you to God. They're the ones that are trying to draw your attention away from God. So what have we got to do? We've got to restrict and maybe even eliminate competing voices, the scream, the noise of our lives. What's some of the biggest noises of our life today? Can we just be honest? Our cell phones, our tablets, our computers, social media technology has become one of the greatest conflicting, competing noises of our life. I read these stats. Listen to this stats. Kids between the age of eight and eighteen spend an average of seven and a half hours a day on a phone or a tablet. That's two and a half days a week. They have lost really and wasted that they can never have back. That's unbelievable. But the sad reality is it's not just kids eight to eighteen, some adults are on those devices more than even kids. Listen to what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says from the NIV version. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. The New King James Version says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin. What are we talking about? The things that can hinder us may not be a sin in themselves, but they have the capability to be a sin when they're placed in a wrong position or they're placed with a greater priority than the things that are important. A cell phone's not a sin, but it can become a sin of your life. Come on, friends are not a sin, but they can become sin in your life because they can consume you. Work's not a sin, but it can become a sin. In your life. There's a hindrance before the sin. Do you see that in the word of God? Those things which hinder us and the sin. So what? We can run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And here's the key. Verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Focused only on Him. Here's the struggle. The competing voices want to take our focus off of Jesus. How many competing voices are telling you when you have a need, you need to pray? Huh. How many competing voices are telling you when you're having problems at home, that you need to get counseling? What are they telling you? You need to kick his butt to the curb and find someone who's going to love you and appreciate you for who you are. Come on, they're not going to tell you to pray. They're going to say, hey, worry a little bit more. Go on this website and, and Google those symptoms that you're having and see what you're, what's taking place. Huh? You can have a scratch on your face and you convince yourself you've got cancer because the symptoms can be all the same. We've got to watch the voices that we listen to in our life because the Bible told us from the beginning of this message, the voice we know the loudest is the voice that's going to lead our lives. And if the voices that are competing against God is leading our life, we're never going to find God's fullness of life. And we're never going to find the blessings that we have. Come on, we've got to turn down or turn off the world's volume in our lives. Here's distraction number three, my heart. My heart, my heart, my heart. A heart that is unprepared to receive His voice. Every time I preach a message, I ask you to put your hand on your heart. Why? Why? Because it's your responsibility to prepare the place where the seed, the word of God, is shared out. There's four types of soil. The wayside, the stony, the thorny, and the good. And only one produces sustained growth. In the parable of the sower, Jesus talks about the word not being able to take root or is strangled out. And it's all because of one thing, an unprepared Soil, unprepared ground, the state of our hearts. And here's what I believe. Are you ready? God comes to that which is prepared and ready. Psalms 22, verse 3 says, But you are holy, you are enthroned in the praises of Israel, literally your people. In other words, God, you inhabit, you come and dwell in a place where your people build a throne for you, where they welcome you in, where their hearts are welcome and open to you, God, your presence comes. You may say, well, hold on a second, his presence is everywhere. Yes, it is, but it's not welcomed everywhere. Our heart can unwelcome God's presence. It can unlike God's presence. We need to click that button to like God's presence by preparing the state of our heart. Because as we worship and praise and give to God with the right heart, we build a place where God can come and fill. So here's what I'm saying. Are you ready? Preparation prepares his place in your life. I want God's place to be prepared. I've got to get my heart where it needs to be. Because there's a God-shaped void that's in every man. And we try to fill it with everything else apart from God. We stuff in stuff and try to fill it. But nothing else will fill a void that God can only fill in our lives. So having a prepared heart is your responsibility. And we're going to talk in a few moments about how to do that. But here's what I want you to do. Can everyone just stand for me right now? Everyone stand. Just you can keep a hold of your stuff. I'm not going to keep you up for long. I want to do something pretty fun today. Hope it works. If it doesn't work, then just blame Kara. It's not her fault, but it sounds good. Amen. Let me try and find where I was at. Sorry. Here's what I want to do. I'm, I'm going to play something right now. And when I play this, if you hear what I play, I want you to sit down. Are you ready? Okay, look around you. How many people are sitting down? Let me try this one, you ready? Okay. Don't worry, I didn't hear nothing either. If you look around you today, you know who's sitting down? If you're standing today, you know what that means? You're old. You're old. Sit down, sit down. What I just played today, and trust me, I didn't, I didn't prompt people today, and I didn't tell them at one time, would you sit down? But what I just played today, listen to me, was an extremely high-pitched sound that everyone, when we were born, had the capability to be able to hear. But what they say through the years is our ears can become dull, so no longer we can hear the same frequency and the same noise that we used to. I wonder if our relationship with God has kind of got a little bit dull. I wonder if we've allowed our heart to just become a little bit indifferent. That when we used to hear His voice and we used to have a heart that was ready and, and we heard God when we were sitting listening to things and God's Spirit would say to us, you don't need to be a part of that. I wonder if we used to have a heart that was like that. I don't want to fill myself with that. I don't want to be around that. But now we've blocked out that noise and we're, what? We're still standing, but we're not standing for anything. We're just going along with the crowd. First Samuel chapter 3 is a great story. It's the story of Samuel as a young boy who was in the temple with Eli. Here's a young boy with an old priest. And it says these words, 1 Samuel 3.1, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of God was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. In other words, the word of God was precious. It's sad, but really what has been said here is the voice of God was very scarcely heard. And it wasn't because God wasn't speaking. It was because a noise that people used to hear now was a voice they no longer want to hear. Remember the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve loved the voice of God coming. But because of sin, now what? They didn't want to hear that voice. And the Bible says when they heard the voice, they ran from it. Verse 2, and it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in His place. The NIV version says it this way. He was laying down in his usual place. Get the picture. He was in the same old place. He was nothing prepared, nothing ready, just going through the motions, that kind of place, just that same place every day. If we jump to the next verse, verse 3, and before the lamp of God had gone out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark was, and while Samuel was laying down, So here's the tabernacle. Here's the presence of God. Jump to verse 7 and it tells us that Samuel did not yet know the voice of God. So what happens in this story, just to cut down time, here's what happens. God calls to Samuel. God doesn't call Eli, but God calls Samuel. God doesn't call the one who can't hear his voice. God calls the one who is prepared to hear the voice of God. I'm telling you, what's the field of dreams? If you build it? Three times he runs to Eli and says, Eli, you called me. Eli sends him back to his bed three times and says, son, I didn't call you. Go back to your bed. But the last time Eli realized, hold on a second. Maybe something is happening here. So he sends Samuel back with different instructions. Because remember, Samuel at this time didn't know the voice of God. He was prepared and ready to hear it, but he didn't know what the voice of God was like. And verse 9 says, And Eli said to Samuel, You go lie down, and it shall be. If he calls you again, you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, his prepared place. And guess what? God comes again and God speaks to Samuel and instructs him. Why? Because he had a heart ready to receive from God's word. We had something like that in our house. Luke came out of his bedroom twice the other night and said, what dad? I said, look, didn't say nothing. So the second time he comes out, I said, Luke, you better go in that bedroom and say, speak God. <laughs> Your servant is listening But here's the second part of the message. Are you ready? We have to first turn down the distractions, remember? But the second part is we've got to tune into God. There's a number of ways that we can do that. But I believe from what we just read, I believe that we can see three key areas. Let me read verse 3 again, this time from the NIV version. It says, The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. We see three key elements right there. Are you ready? Here they are. The lamp, the house, and the ark. Come on, say that with me. The lamp, the house, and the ark. One more time. The lamp, the house, and the ark. So here's the first way that we can tune into God through his word. That's the lamp. That was the lamp that was in the place of where Samuel was. Psalms one nineteen one o five 105 says what? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. How can I prepare my heart through his word? There's no greater preparation of the heart than through the word of God. I cannot stress enough to you the importance of God's word. Because again, if you haven't heard his voice audibly, you can read his voice. You have it each and every. Day. What does it want to do? What does Psalms 119 tells us? It wants to illuminate your life. And how is my life illuminated? How do I know the way to take through the word? By the word of God. I just think it's so important that you read the word of God every day. We have a daily reading plan that we've been going through this year. And we're coming to a close and drawing in on that And what a great achievement for many of you. I know Luke is so excited. The first time, cover to cover, he's read through the entirety of the Word of God. And I know others are doing that with us. And we're getting ready. I said to Luke, great, but guess what happens? January the 1st, we start all over again. Because we don't just say, well, I've read it next. We're going to read it again and read it again and read it again. I'm proud of the fact, and this is not a braggadocious statement. I'm proud that by the end of this year, that's 25 times that I've read the Bible through entirely from Genesis to Revelation in my life. And it's just something that is so important to me because every day I make that commitment and I don't do that for applause. I do that because I need God's direction for my life. I need to tune into God. I need to hear the voice of God for my life and I need to have that. You know, we send out daily emails through the church with all the scriptures for the day and then a devotion that is taken from one of the passages, something to encourage you. Throughout the day. Pete said it great on Wednesday night. Have a 15 minutes where you do five minutes of the word, five minutes of prayer and five minutes of worship. Just so key for your life. However you choose to do it, do it. Get in the word because I cannot tell you how many times I've needed his word to give me strength. I can't tell you how many times I've needed his word to give me direction, to bring me hope, to bring healing to my life. Come on, find a verse and let it be your verse for your situation. What are you facing right now? Find something from God's word that can bring you through that. So we tune in through the word. Here's the second way we tune in. We tune in through worship. That's the ark. The Ark of God in the Old Testament was a a metal box. On top of the box, it had two cherubim or angels that had their wings stretched over it. A lot of you have seen the picture. If you've watched the Indiana Jones movie, you've seen images of this. Okay, In between the cherubim, right down there, was what was called the mercy seat. That was in the Old Testament. You would read of the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. That wasn't just a cloud that wandered everywhere. That cloud sat on the mercy seat of the ark. It symbolized the presence of God. I'm telling you, what we need in our lives is we need something that will cultivate His presence in our life. And I don't believe there's anything greater than worship. Worship that cultivates, prepares that place for God. Come on, it cultivates. It's like weeding a garden. You're getting the weeds out. Worship is one of the greatest ways that cultivates our lives to be able to hear, to be able to experience and feel the presence of God. Remember Psalms 22 verse 3. You are enthroned in the worship of your people. God comes down. When his people connect up. Come on now. That's a great thought right there. God comes down when his people connect up. you got to start connecting up so God can come down in your marriage. So God can come down in your finances. So God can come down physically. Because here's what I've discovered. Are you ready? When I'm trying to find God and I'm trying to hear God, here's one of the greatest ways I can do that. Come on. When I worship, he finds me. Oh man, when I begin to worship, God finds me. Second Chronicles 6 verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run what to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose what? heart is loyal to Him, a worshipful heart that's given to God. God is what? Looking for worshipers. John 4 tells us that. Those that worship Him in spirit and truth. God is looking for such who will worship Him. Him. I'm telling you right now, you're going to worship something. You're going to worship because we were created to worship. We were created to worship. Man, I could preach on this. I love praise and worship. I'm passionate. I'm a praiser and I'm a worshiper. Let's get that praise and worship going. My hands are in the air. I'm dancing. I'm ready to go. Because I know the blessing and the power there is in giving to God through worship and praise. And it's more than just words and music. Worship, I believe, is that still, small voice. I think we really miss something when it just becomes a noise in circumstances. When Elijah was taken and there was an earthquake and there was a wind and a fire, and he thought, that's got to be God, got to be God, got to be God. But God wasn't in those things, but God was in that still, small voice. Why is that? It doesn't mean that God cannot do great things, because He does. But what God is showing every one of us where relationship is, is not in noise and every circumstance and situation. Relationship is in what? Intimacy. Worship. Worship. Intimacy. Someone once said of intimacy is this. Into me, come and see. Having a time of worship before God. I think it's so important that we lean into God. We were created in His image and likeness for relationship. So we need to create times of worship. Come on, in your day, in your car, you can create a time of worship. While you're at the gym, you can create a time of worship. While you're walking, while you're getting dressed, while you're on your computer. Every day in my office, I put worship music on from the time I go in there or just praise music to the time I leave. It's always on in my car if I'm not listening to preaching. I just surround myself. When I walk and pray, I have music, worship and go on because I want to create an environment for God's presence in my life. Here's the third way. you ready? Planted in church. Church, I believe, is one of the greatest ways that we can tune into God. Because notice we said the lamp, the ark, and the house. Samuel was where? In the house of God. He was in the tabernacle. And I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about being locked in and planted. Because in order to produce fruit, you've got to be planted. You cannot fulfill potential. If you go to the grocery or go to the the Lowe's or something and you pick up like a a fruit tree or something, it's never going to fulfill its potential while it's left in the pot. It may grow a little bit, but how it sees the great growth and the great blessing is you've got to get it out of the pot and you've got to get it into the soil. Church is the soil of growth for your life. Samuel was in the temple to hear God's voice. Where was Eli in his usual place? Samuel was in church. Samuel said, "For as for me and my house, we're going to be in the house. We're going to serve God. We're going to be in his presence. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He didn't say I was glad when they said to me, let's go to LSU. He didn't say I was glad when they said, let me go to the mall. He didn't say I was glad when he said, let's go to Walmart. He said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of God. Come on, so many of us got more gladness out of the house than what we have in the house. Psalms 92 verse 13, those who were planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall bear fruit in old age and they shall be fresh and flourishing. Come on, those who are planted, those who hear God's voice. I'm telling you right now, God will speak to you right here in this house. I'm going to say that again because I didn't get enough amens. God will speak to you while you're here in this house. You better know that we value this pulpit. We want God to speak. We don't want man's opinion. We need God's word. And you know why it's so good to come into the house? Because there's no distractions. Those things have been eliminated and good things happen in church. Can I tell you my story of church? I got saved in church. I was filled with the Holy Spirit in church. I was prophesied over to do what I'm doing right now in church. I was called from church. And guess what? I found my wife in church. Don't tell me good things don't happen in church. Come on. Great things happen in church. Romans 10 verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the preaching or the hearing of the word of God. Your faith is going to grow because you're hearing the word been preached in your life. God is still speaking through his church. So what are we doing? Point nine, one, we're turning down the distractions, maybe eliminating some. Come on, we're tuning into God. God, I want your word. I want your worship. I want your house more than ever, because God, that's what tunes me in. And here's the test. Are you ready? Six simple tests. Six simple tests. Here they are. Test number one. Is it consistent with God's word? When God speaks to you, if you want to know it's God, is it consistent with God's word. I'm telling you right now, God will never speak against his word. If it's not his word, it's not God. I can't make it any plainer than that. You can try and fit it in. No, no, you don't have to fit yourself in to God's word. God's word wants to fit perfectly into your life. Come on now. We've we, we got to watch because we try to make it and we try to fit it in. No, 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 no. Come on. God's word is the perfect fit of your life. You don't have to force it and make it to happen. If it's against his word, it's not God that has spoken it. Here's the second one. Will it make me more like Christ? It's a great question to ask yourself. Will God get the glory from it? Will this build his kingdom, not mine? Because listen, a new job is not always God's blessing. I said a new job is not always God's blessing if it's going to keep you out of church and away from your family. You better start looking at that because is God going to get the glory from this? Is it going to make me more like Christ? Is my relationship going to grow through this or not? Because God's not going to put anything across your path that's going to destroy relationship. Because that's the greatest thing he has between us, is relationship. That's what sin destroyed and he has done everything he can by sending his son to restore relationship once again. So that, that's affecting your relationship. Come on, if the person beside you is affecting your relationship, that's not worth it. Now, don't get me wrong, if you're married, you need to pray about it and you need to deal with it because we're not telling you to leave a marriage. But what I'm saying is you need to be careful. Will it make me more like Christ? No. Does my church family confirm it? The pastor, the pastoral care, those who are close, my godly friends, not just my friends, my godly friends who know Jesus. Because I'm telling you right now, you're always going to find someone who's going to agree with you. You're always going to find someone who's going to tell you what you want to hear. I need to be around some people that tell me what I don't want to hear and instruct my life. Number four, is it consistent with who God made you to be? God knows what he made you to be. God knows how He's wired you. I know we can be stretched at times, but we're always stretched into what He made us to be. He's not morphing us into someone else. If you don't like kids, then God's probably not telling you to have a kids ministry. Look at the things that God has given you for your life, the talents and the gifts and abilities. And if God is calling you against that, it's not God. Number five, is it condemning or convicting? A lot of times when people tell me God spoke to him, I can tell straight away because it's a condemning word. God doesn't condemn you. He convicts you to condemn you means to write you off and no hope. God convicts you and puts his finger on an area of your life and says you need to change that. But God doesn't condemn you through the change. Come on. He blesses you through the change. He builds you through the change and he makes you through the change. And number six, do I sense God's peace about him? Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God will go beyond your understanding. It will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. What do we know from God's word? God is not the author of confusion. God is the author of peace. So if you've got no peace, there's no Jesus, so no do. Did you catch that? No peace, no Jesus, no do. Don't do it. Don't do it. Now, sometimes no peace doesn't mean it's not God. It just means it's not the right time. So you've got to have that. But here's what I want to say right now. See all those six things right there? You need to have a check by every one of those boxes, not four out of six, not three out of six, not two out of six or one out of six, because when it's God, he'll hit every point. Come on now, he'll hit every point. So if God's speaking to you and you've only got five out of six, that ain't God or keep holding on and don't make any changes because you need another confirmation. Do I hear an amen? Be careful. Even when people says Thus said the Lord, I've had to take people's hands off of me things over me. I've had to say, Listen, that's not God. Because that's not what God has spoken. It's not because I'm I know what God has given me. And when they're called to do something that God has not called me to do, I know So you've got to be alert and you've got to be prepared and you've got to be ready. Why? Because God wants to speak to you. So how do I know it's God? Turn down, tune in, and test. If you'll turn down and tune in and test, you will never have to question whether it's God. You can know his voice and the voice you know can lead your life. Would you pray with me today? Stand to your feet all over this place.